Notice particularly verses 19 through 21. And I will not read them all, but I will read at least two verses, 19 and 20 of that sixth chapter of Matthew. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Christ's entire Sermon on the Mount is a call to repentance as well as to faith. Christ is seeking. What is he seeking? You need to ask these questions. What is Christ looking for? Why did he preach this sermon? What is he addressing primarily? Sometimes it's a very simple thing. It often is. We should be very familiar with the basics. We keep going back to basics. For there it all should be found, often, in the most basic truths. Christ is seeking to correct both false beliefs and false lives. Not only beliefs, which need to be correct, but lives, which need to be correct too. So we're called to repentance. And we're also called to faith, to believe the truths to turn from our false way of living to the true way. So Christ continues to call and correct and bring repentance to mind that the wrong and false lives would be righted, would be corrected. Now from verse 19 till the end of the chapter 6 of this book of of Matthew, Christ is dealing with what Martin Luther called the great and beautiful vice. Called what? Do you know? The great and beautiful vice, not virtue, vice called greed. G-R-E-E-D. It was in the psalm that we sang this morning, early, first. John Calvin calls it, quote, a mad, insatiable desire for possessions. Now in this passage, we're going to look first at the negative Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And then there will be the reasons that are given. And they are summed up in the fact that you're going to lose. You're going to forfeit. You will not take it with you. Treasures on earth. Then there's the positive. Secondly, if you don't remember everything, remember at least two things. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. But rather, what does he go on to say in verse 20? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then he gives the reasons. Because you can keep those. Those will go on with you forever. You will never lose. They will never depart. They will last and last. And they endure forever. 
Now, as I look at the text, we should give some exposition first and then some application. Lay not up. Well, what does it mean, lay up? To gather something together, to hoard it, to preserve it, to put it up on the shelf in the pantry, maybe, is the idea. You gather it all that you can manage to gather. Lay not up for yourselves treasures. Now, what are treasures? They're things that are precious, very valuable in your sight. The most valuable things in the world are what you treasure, are they not? You protect them, you guard them, you lay them up, hoarding them. Greed, you see. So the negative deals with what? Worldly wealth in abundance. Now to possess enough wealth to live comfortably and securely is good and proper and perhaps right in many ways. But a superfluous and excessive accumulation and hoarding of earthly wealth for oneself, using it all to consume upon yourself, is what is forbidden. That's what Christ says, do not do. There I have a brief exposition, but let us look now at the application. And what else does he say? Repent. T turn from it. Do not do it. Repent of your worldliness, your covetousness. Should I use that word? Now, there's a right view of covet. We, could, we should covet righteousness. We should covet the knowledge of God. But there are false views of coveting, of trying to gain from this world. What is Jesus saying? Change your mind. Your whole way of living should be reversed. Your whole attitude, your whole manner of life, what is your main satisfaction in life? Things? Is that what you've lived for? Many of you have, perhaps. Most of us have, at some points, succumbed to that temptation. Now, it's not wrong to be rich, but there's no virtue in poverty either. The poor can love riches as much as the wealthy can love their riches. There may be more temptations for the wealthy in some ways to be taken up with the things that they do have, but the poor can also covet those things, long for them excessively, and their whole heart be given over to getting them, trying to gain them and hoard them. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. You don't have to have much in order to love the world. But as I said, it's not that poverty is good in itself. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. It's the love of money. Paul says it to Timothy. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. How ignorant we are, blind we are. How it eats us up, devours us, 
I've got to get it. I have to have this, this, that, the other. Temptations are great with possessions. You must, you and I must, receive what God gives us. But yet our affection should be set not on those things, but on God who gives them. Keep looking to God. This is the whole picture that Christ is trying to give. And I'll bring it out more clearly in the positive side. But it's here in the negative as well. There's an eternal danger in possessions. In seeking the world. In loving the world. Now the love of the world and the things of the world could be something beside just possessions. What could it be? Could be the praise of men. You love the agitation, the adulation, maybe the agitation too, but the adulation of the praise of men. You want to be praised. You want to be worshipped almost, but God alone should be worshipped and praised. You should have no praise. You deserve what do you deserve? If God gave you what you deserved, gave me what I deserve, we would perish forever. The weight of our sins would take us to hell. We would die and be damned with the wicked because we would be wicked. We don't love the praise of men. We should not be wooed by anything other than God and his praise, his honor. That which comes from God alone. Many a preacher has been ruined by the applause of his congregation. I've seen it. You may have seen it. Why do people join the church? They want the praise of men. They tell them, you're a good man. You're going to church regularly. You're faithful. You're, you should be praised. They love it. Why do people become officers of the church? Maybe there are honest reasons and good reasons. There are. But sometimes they're not. I trust none of the officers here can be swayed by the applause of people. But it doesn't seem to be possible for everyone to be exempt from it. It's too often mentioned in scripture. Now how will we break the grip? of the world upon our hearts, either the adulation, the praise of men, or the possessions that are in the world. How can we break the grip? Well, Jesus told us at least a little bit about it, maybe a good bit. In Mark chapter 10, we read these words from verse 17. Listen carefully. Mark verse, chapter 10, verse 17. And when he saw... And when he was gone forth into the way, there came and run running to him and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, the praise of men, you see, he's offering something worldly. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I want life, everlasting life. Why, he has a good goal, but he's seeking it terribly wrong. Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? What's your reason? 
the motive behind your speaking so well of me. There is none good but one. That is God. Is he denying he's God? No. But he's saying there is only one that is good. You should praise God and God alone. So you would be right to praise me because I'm God, but you don't understand that. You're praising me because you think I'm a man who knows good things and can help you find eternal life. Thou knowest the commandment, Jesus says. There's none good but one, but you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I've observed from my youth. I'm a good man. I've kept it all. Then Jesus beholding him, did he despise him? No, he loved him. So he told him what? Not a lie. He told him the truth. Absolutely contrary to every thought the man had. All of his pride. He undercurred it. Slew, slew that pride. Because he loved him. One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure, treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Self-denial. Self-denial to the point of selling everything. Now, does that mean we should all go out and sell everything we have? He was speaking to one man. But our willingness should be there. Would God take it away from you? He would if he wished. He could. Certainly he could take it away in a moment. You think you've got it safely secured? You don't know nothing. But you should be willing to part with everything. You might win Christ. That God might be served. Yes, you hold it. God gave it to you. You can receive it from his hand. With thankfulness, I hope. Always thanking him for everything you have. Every breath you take is from his hand. Every possession you have is from him. You have nothing, but he gave it to you. You receive it with empty hands, but hold it lightly. Don't cling to it. Don't hoard it. Oh, don't love it. Love him who gave it. Everything goes back to God, you see. Everything. That's what we have to get through our thick skulls. So this is perhaps the way to begin to break the hole that possessions and praise of men can have upon yourself. A new mental attitude, a correct understanding in your mind, in your heart, in your very depths of your soul, 
So we may not all have to take the literal action that the rich young ruler must take in order to break the grip of his possessions upon him. And maybe it would take that for some. But that's not what Jesus is saying that everyone should do. Now, Christ told the rich young ruler something, and Paul tells us something about Christ and his attitude toward possessions. Listen carefully. Philippians chapter 2 and the verse 5 of Philippians and the second chapter. Let this mind be in you, says Paul, which was also in Christ Jesus. Notice there's a practical doctrine or practice, I don't know how to say it, that leads to the greatest, in some ways, ascription of deity to Christ. It comes out of this very practical breaking up of greed. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was God, but he didn't think it a thing to be grasped, to be held on to, not even his deity. He gave it up, humbled himself, became a man, and died upon the earth. Despised and afflicted and treated by men as, as a reproach. If Jesus lived that way, should you? Of course you should. You know it. It's your best moments. But it was also Paul's own attitude. Let me read to you in the third chapter of that same book. And I'll pick up at verse 8. I'll go back to verse 7. But what things were gained to me, Paul says, what I found to be gain, those I counted loss for Christ. He let go of them, gave them all up for Christ. For what reason? For Christ. No other reason but God, Christ himself, the living God in flesh. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Comes out of the body. Dung. Literal, it's a correct translation. That I may do what? That I may win Christ. A new attitude, disposition toward things, possessions, toward praise, toward the adulation of men. Repent, therefore. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason? It's going to all pass away. You will lose it all. It will be taken from you. Oh no, you say, I can hang on to my possessions. Oh no, you can't. Now if you hang on to them throughout of life, I don't know that God will let you, but he may, probably will. If he loves you, he may take them away from you if you're in love with them. An elder said to me one time, I never saw a Brinks truck 
in a funeral possession. What did he mean? Nobody takes it with them. You never saw a brink, a brink strike, in other words, carrying all their possessions to the grave. You can't take it with you. If you don't lose it before, you will lose it then. Lose it all. Every one of those dollar bills or whatever you hoarded up will be taken away. All the praise of men will be lost. But your own soul. Oh, what is more precious than the soul of a man? Nothing. You have no other valuable thing but your very soul. And you will lose it. It will be taken from you. If you're living for this world, for possessions, for praise, for anything else than God. Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth. Where moth and rust hath corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. You're going to lose it. But... Here's the positive. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, be rich toward God. Seek the one thing that matters. What is that? The eternal God. Seek his smile. Seek him who can favor you and bless you. Seek his son, the Lord Jesus, who is the God-man, God in the flesh. Do we earn our salvation? Is that what Jesus is saying? Of course not. You know better. How did the sermon begin? We have to keep going back to the beginning sometimes. Don't forget. What was the Sermon on the Mount? Its message stated at the very opening. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The humble, contrite ones who look to God for everything. They have nothing and they know they have nothing. They're in poverty. But he has it all. Look to him who gives everything, even your very breath. No. Salvation is not by works. It's a gift, a free gift from God. Bought at a price you could never pay, but he could pay it. The God-man, he became a man that he might do what? One reason he became a man was to die. And you must die, I must die. I'm not talking about earning anything. I'm talking about self-denial that we might serve the Lord. He's the master. He's the king. He's the savior. We are the servant, the slave, who do the master's bidding, who obey the Lord Jesus because we love him. What a great master he is. There's no kinder, more considerate, more loving, more generous, more gracious master that could be ever had from any source, any place in all their... God is merciful beyond compare. If there's one attribute of God that is above all others in all the scriptures, it's the grace of God. The love of God. The mercy of God. Poured out, even upon, yes, upon sinners while still in their sins. 
We're to seek what? One thing. And we're to seek it with all our heart, with all of our being, with all of our soul. Seek the Lord himself. He is the treasure. Jesus could have pointed to himself because he was preaching. They wouldn't have understood, but he could have. But he is the treasure. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because that can never be taken from you. It endures. It lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And you will go to glory praising God and the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiping him. And you will worship him in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's what you do in heaven. You should do it now in some measure with some feebleness as we are so frail and feeble in our sin in finite condition. And we'll still be finite in heaven, but we won't be sinful anymore. There's the hindrance that will be removed. Sin. No more sin. We can praise him as we cannot praise him now. Praise him forever. What is the biggest thing in your life? Started to begin the sermon with that. Maybe I should have that question. What is the biggest thing in your life? If you had to answer that question. That is your God. What is it you're pursuing? What is driving you? What is the f driving force of your existence? That is your God. Now people are going to get what they are driving for. What they are looking for. What they are craving. They will get it. And they will lose it all. If it's anything other than God himself. And his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, come in the flesh. Let me read to you again from Mark. Uh, no, Matthew, choose, excuse me, I've charted the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. And read from verse 44 and following. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable... Well, no, I, I go back to 33. I'm reading for it, 34. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. Strange. Secret. How does leaven work? Is there any noise? Any commotion? Does anybody see it? Well, you can see it rise, but nobody sees it how it works. It's hidden. It's a mystery. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Not with fanfare and show, pomp, display, and praise for us. 
and making us look great in the eyes of the world by the multitude of possessions we have, either a house or car or everything in the world that we think is so impressive to other people. And it is impressive, isn't it, to the world? It shouldn't be to the church. Sometimes it is, so often. Have you sold all? And have you bought one thing by faith? Jesus Christ. Now what you talk about is the biggest thing in your life. Are you always talking about God? You're always talking about everything else. All the plans you're making for this and that and the other. Even good, good things that are not wrong. What do you talk about? Do you always come back to God? I was asked this past week by a Chinese student who moved back to Hong Kong, how can I enjoy God? He's going through a miserable period in his life. How can I enjoy God? Maybe you don't enjoy God. What is the chief end of man? The catechism, you know. Yeah, the very first question. You should know it. Do you know it? Do you really know what it says? How can you enjoy God? Are you enjoying him? Is he a drudge? Carrying you down, not up. How does the question go? Man's chief end is what first? To glorify him. And secondly, enjoy him. The enjoyment comes from glorifying God. Or no other way to enjoy God. This is what I told him. I didn't use the catechism. I don't think he's familiar with it. But it's the same truth. And he agreed. I didn't, I missed that. Yeah, give God the glory. Praise, praise, praise. Worship, worship, worship. And then you enjoy. It's amazing how it follows. Cannot but follow. You talk about what your heart is in love with, is set upon. So for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What is your heart set on? A house? Car? Physical strength? Physical beauty? Furniture? Your job? Your family? Are you living for your family? Many do, don't even realize it. Security? God may have to take it all away. You would wake up. Forsake all your feverish talk and feverish actions. Make the entire one purpose aim of your life to seek the Lord, treasure in heaven. Jesus Christ, the treasure. Jesus, priceless treasure, source of purest pleasure. Truest friend divine. Oh, 
There is no friend like he will never leave you and never desert you. Oh, you've lived for everything and everyone else. Oh, give it all up. Look to Jesus alone. Let goods and kindred go this mortal life also. If God takes your life, let it go. The body they may kill, God's truth. You heard it this morning, I heard from others. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is how long? How long is the kingdom of God? Forever. Part with everything rather than with Jesus Christ. Part with friends, with goods, with applause, with country, with liberty. If he took that away from you, let go of it. For him, Jesus Christ. For he is the treasure. Seek him and nothing else. And don't do it later. Do it now. Don't delay. Today is the hour of salvation. This very day, may your soul be required of you. Ooh, 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 it wouldn't be. Oh, yes, it could. You may not see tomorrow. You may die before you go home. Seek it now. Christ and his kingdom. Put your heart in one place, on one thing, on one person, on God. Let your mind, let your affections be set on heaven where God is dwelling. Do you think this way about Christ and about heaven? Is he whom you desire? Is he the one you desire more than anything? Heaven and him above all earthly things? Then you will be laying up for yourselves, laying up, hoarding for yourselves treasure in heaven. You will want Christ. You will hoard him. You will protect him as it were. We don't have to. He can protect himself, but you will guard that which you see so precious such a treasure your greatest possession you can possess nothing else like him if he's given himself to you I'll read a poem come ye sinners poor are you poor you are. You don't know it, but you are. Blessed to the poor. Come ye sinners poor and wretched. Are you wretched? If you understood what you are in yourself, you would understand that you are wretched without him. Poor and wretched. Weak. Oh, how weak we are. Wounded. Sick. And sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. Grace of God is power.
power. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. You'll never get better. You'll be the sinner you were at the beginning all the way through if you stay in your sins and don't come to Jesus. Not the righteous. Not the righteous. Sinners. Jesus came to call. Lo, the incarnate God ascended pleads the merit of his blood. You don't have any merit. He has all the merit. The incarnate God ascended, pleads the merit of his blood where he died on the cross. Venture on him. Venture wholly, entirely. Let no other trust intrude. None but Jesus. None but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. Stand together. Give us faith, O oh Lord. We might truly believe, entirely commit, body and soul, our whole being, to Jesus. To the Father who loved to the Son who died, to the Spirit who gives power, understanding. Save us. We cannot save ourselves. We are but sinners, nothing else. I am a poor sinner and nothing at all. Jesus Christ is my all in all. He is the treasure. May we give ourselves to the treasure who will keep us securely, preserve us forever in his loving arms, welcoming Father, saving Son, Powerful spirit, save poor sinners as we are but sinners, poor in spirit, in poverty, helpless and hopeless. We beg you, save us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.